Thanks for joining us on the Father's House Podcast, where we are leading people into a growing relationship with Jesus. If you have any questions or want to learn more about us, you can always check us out online simply by going to thefathershouse.com. We'd love for you to stay connected throughout your week. Now, let's go to this week's message. Good morning. So glad that you're here this morning. For those of you that don't know me, my name is Pastor Andrea, and it is my honor and privilege to um, be given the um, opportunity to speak to you today. Now, um, before we get started, let's do what we always do. If you've got your Bible with you, your smartphone, um, as Pastor likes to say, your eyes, your whatever, lift it up, and we're gonna we're gonna say this together. This is my Bible. Okay, we don't have it. Receive the word. Confess. My mind is alert. My heart is receptive. I am obedient. And I will never be the same again. In Jesus' name, amen. Wow, see, y'all don't even know the words because it's deep down in your heart. That was, that was quite impressive. That was awesome. Awesome, awesome, awesome. We're in this series called War Cry. For those of you who um, maybe this is your first day with us or maybe you've missed the first couple of weeks, but we are in this series called War Cry. And PT has taught us um, on the very first uh, Sunday a couple of weeks ago, he taught us that God has given us a war cry. And it's actually seen all throughout scripture. And it's this, Rock Kazak Amatz, which means what? That's right. Be strong and be courageous. Now, we've already kind of addressed a little bit about um, Pastor Tim talked and prayed about, um, you know, the, the coronavirus. And, and uh, Jen talked about, um, you know, that we don't fear and talked about God's word. And um, we are living in a time right now that we have the opportunity, we have the choice to either live in the boldness of Rakazakamats or to live in fear. I, for one, am not going to live in fear. You want to know why? Because God hasn't given me a spirit of fear. That's not from God. He says in Scripture, 2 Timothy 1, 7, for God has not given us a spirit of fear, but of power, of power, and of love, and of a sound mind. My goodness, he's given us a sound mind, people. We need to live wisely. Just because I don't live in fear doesn't mean that I'm going to walk out those doors and lick every metal surface that there is out there. I'm not going to do that, and I don't recommend that you do that either. However, I'm not going to succumb or surrender to fear because I'm surrendered to the God who is over fear. The God who is over fear. Fear comes from the enemy, and the enemy knows that if he can trap you in fear, he can then immobilize you or get you to do some pretty crazy stuff. Fear can make us run. It causes us to listen. Listen to me. It causes us to listen to the wrong voice, and it makes us forget and abandon the word of God. Like it or not, your life is a battleground, and there is an enemy who wants to take you down. He's looking for any and every opportunity to bring fear, confusion, chaos, destruction, division, and let's just be honest, he's really good at it. Now, you might be saying, well, this is a real pick-me-up message. But listen to me, if we'll look uh, to God's word, we'll find that he's already given us everything that we need. He's given us everything in order to fight the spiritual battles that we face. And it is important to realize that we need to have all of these weapons working together in order to be ready for battle and to be successful in battle. Now, how 
many of you, just a show of hands, um, just want to kind of gauge the room, how many of you have ever been in the military? Quite a few of you. Um, you know, as being in the military specifically, that you would never go out onto a battlefield or into a war zone without any of your gear, right? You wouldn't, like, roll out of bed in your pajamas and uh, go into fight a war. That's just silly. But unfortunately, some of us kind of look silly when we get up in the morning and we go out to this battlefield and we haven't done the things that God has told us to do. And he's, he's provided us tools, weapons, armor for protection that we would put on every single morning to be prepared to fight the battles that we face. See, you and I don't know the battles that we're going to face. Well, sometimes we may because it's an ongoing battle. But we don't know any kind of battles that's going to come our way every single day, right? Now, you wouldn't go out, you wouldn't pick up your gun and not take ammo with you. That's silly. No NFL player would go out onto the playing field without his uh, uh, athletic equipment on. He's going to put a helmet on. He's going to put pad, shoulder pads on. He's going to put pads here because he wants to be protect, pr protected from that big dude that's running at him, right? Ephesians 6, 10, and 11 says this, Finally, my brethren, be strong in the Lord and in the power of his might. Put on the whole armor of God that you may be able to stand against the wiles or the strategies or the schemes of the devil. Verse 13 says this, Therefore, take up the whole armor of God that you may be able to withstand in the evil day and have done all to stand. I want to read you uh, Ephesians 6, 10 through 13 in the passage translation. Because this is like Paul, he is, he's like having this brave heart. Have you seen the movie Braveheart? That some of those clips are from Braveheart. He's like having this brave heart moment right near, right here. It says, Now, my beloved ones, I have saved these important truths for last. Be supernaturally infused with strength through your life union with the Lord Jesus. Stand victorious with the force of his explosive power flowing in and through you. Put on God's complete set of armor provided for us. Did you catch that? Put on God's complete set of armor provided for us so that you will be protected as you fight against the evil strategies of the accuser. Your hand-to-hand -hand combat is not with human beings, but with the highest principalities and authorities operating in rebellion under the heavenly realms, for they are a powerful class of demon gods and evil spirits that hold this dark world in bondage. Because of this, you must wear all the armor that God provides so that you're protected as you confront the slander, for you are destined for all things and you will rise victorious. If that's not a rock kazakamots moment, I don't know what is. Let's say that together. Rock kazakamots. Come on, you can say it a lot better than that. Rock kazakamots. Yes. This is who we are surrendered to, the one who is all-powerful. He has given us every single piece of armor that we need to protect us in the battle. 
So based on those scriptures, it's said more than one time, we must use every piece of armor. And that's your first fill-in. Use every piece of armor. It doesn't say use some of them, just use a couple over here for this particular. It doesn't say you use um, one, two, and three for this kind of battle and uh, four and seven for, for this battle. You know, you don't, it, it says use all of them. We have to use all of them. But before we really dive into this, um, as a Christ follower, you must know and understand that you fight from victory and not for victory. You are standing in a position already of victory. And that's because of what Jesus Christ did for you on the cross. It's not because of how many muscles you have, how many times you go to the gym, you know, all that stuff. It, it doesn't have anything to do with that. It's all based on what Jesus Christ has done for each and every one of us. But Paul says you're going to have to put on every piece of God's armor to resist the enemy so that you're still standing after all of these things have happened. And let me give you just a, a little bit of background. The Apostle Paul is in a prison cell, chained 24 hours a day to a Roman centurion. Now, I probably would have um, whined at best, um, definitely complained, definitely cried, and been thoroughly depressed at that point, but not Paul. What does he do? He writes a letter to the church of Ephesus. Using his situation as a teaching lesson, comparing every part of a Roman soldier garb, weaponry, protection, and makes a spiritual parallel to the things we need in our life to guard against depression, despair, defeat, fear, doubt, difficulty, all the things that Satan tries to throw at us. Now, today, I'm not just going to teach um, by myself. I've asked a couple of my friends from the school of ministry to come up and to, to help me to teach and to, to unfold and unpack the armor of God. So would you put your hands together and would you um, first welcome Eddie Strack to the stage? Thanks, Andrea. Good morning, Father's House. What an honor and a privilege have I been bestowed to be able to come and teach the word with Andrea and present the gospel. So Ephesians 6.14 says, Stand therefore, having girded your waist with truth, having put on the breastplate of righteousness. So the first fill-in, number one, is put on the belt of truth. The New Living Translation puts it belt of truth and body armor. So the breastplate of righteousness is the body armor. So talking about the belt of truth, how many of you have seen the movie, read the comic books, Batman? Man, as a kid, I'm all about that. Batwoman for the ladies. So what's the one thing that Batman always has around him? His utility belt, right? Mm -hmm. So what does he have? He has his weapons, his batarangs. He's got his grappling hook so he can get away from the enemy and shoot off into the night. <laughs> get away. But he has his tools. He has his necessary resources at hand so that he doesn't have to go get them. They're right there. The belt of truth, it goes around your core. The core of your body is right here, your torso. It's the center of strength that holds all of your armor and weapons in place. You see, when Paul was watching that example of the Roman centurion, in that age, they wore long garments, tunics underneath their armor. So they have a, have a way so that they're not tripping over themselves to keep everything gathered up. So the belt would keep everything together so that they would be able to run against the enemy and win. With the core speaking to your core, a strong core 
from Harvard Health Publishing enhances your balance and stability. Thus, it can help prevent falls and injuries during sports or other activities. In fact, a strong, flexible core underpins almost everything that you do. So the truth is like the foundation of your armor. How do you get the truth? How do you get the truth? The truth you hear, the truth you read in the word of God. But then how do you use it? How do you put it on? You speak it. Put it on a mirror and speak it to yourself every morning. Post-it notes. My wife did that for me, and I love her so much for that. She did it for herself, putting words of truth, speaking to who you are in Christ, that you're a winner, that you are more than a conqueror, that you have all things that you need, speaking that you're a man of God, you're a woman of God, you're a child of the Most High King. So guess what? When you learn those things, that truth, you start learning your identity. And inside of those truths of identity, you begin the foundation, truly, of your armor. The other thing is that it holds on to the other things. We're going to find out later about some other things inside of the armor that are supported by this belt. So a Roman soldier, a centurion, they didn't always have one around their belt that held their tunics together. If they needed a weapon, they had one that went over their shoulders. So it's around your entire core, keeping you strong and balanced. So you have stability. The belt of truth is the truth of God found through abiding in his word, which allows us to better stand against the attacks of the enemy. So when you're standing against the attacks of the enemy and you don't have that belt or a foundation of truth, you're going to be undone. You go like, whoa, what went on? So you don't want to be caught without a belt, right? So when your life is based or founded on truth, you have the solid foundation, a solid core, so you're not falling into sinking or sifting, shifting sands. You're equipped with the necessary tools for victory. Number two, put on the breastplate of righteousness. Put on the breastplate of righteousness. So the breastplate, what does it do? It covers your vital organs, your heart, your liver, your lungs, the things that you need to survive and be able to take action when the enemy comes. Your heart pumps blood, your lungs breathe oxygen into your body, the necessary things. Proverbs 4.23 says, above all, guard the affections of your heart, for they affect all that you are. Pay attention to the welfare of your innermost being, for from there flows the wellspring of life. So you're protecting your innermost being by putting on righteousness. How I like to have as an example of this, Andrea asked how many of you have served in the military. In the military, law enforcement, you know that you have a protective vest that you can put on. It's the modern day breastplate of righteousness in a sense, in a, in a physical sense, where you, now it's Kevlar. In World War II and in Vietnam, for those of you who served, you know you had those flak jackets. You put them on, but you had to put metal plates in. They were made out of nylon so that they were lightweight as much as possible, but they still had holes where you could get through. If the enemy knew where to shoot, he could take you out. But guess what? That's like your own righteousness. 
because the Bible talks about our righteousness versus the righteousness of Christ. So those are like our righteousness. We're trying to do it on our own, do good deeds, good things that are going to earn our way into God's grace. But guess what? God's grace was paid for by the blood of Jesus Christ. So there's nothing that we can do to take that. It's like the super armor of Kevlar. Good deeds versus the righteousness of Christ before the cross, after the cross. So righteousness is being in right relation to others through love, through the lens of the cross. For he who made him who knew no sin to be sin for us, that we might become the righteousness of God in him. In 1 Corinthians 5.21, and it says further in verse six, uh, chapter 6, verse 2, for he says, in acceptable time I heard you, and in the day of salvation I have helped you. Behold, now is the accepted time, now is the day of salvation. Righteousness for you is already complete, but is realized through our obedience and allowing transformation, as it says in Romans 12, verse 2. Now, I know I've talked to you about the two things of the belt of truth and the breastplate of righteousness. I've also got my friend Miguel Paredes, who is going to come and talk to you about some more ways that we can put on that armor and win the battle against the enemy. Praise the Lord. God is good. Amen. I'm going to talk about shoes. Let's start with shoes. I know a lot of ladies here like shoes, so let's start with the shoes. Praise the Lord. I still remember many years ago, my brother Robinson told me, when it comes to shoes and sneakers, always buy the best. Because if not, you're going to pay for it later on. So when I think about shoes, I think about comfort, I think about protection, and I think about longevity. Shoes like the belt may at first seem unnecessary in a talk about spiritual armor. They are great, but are they really important? Are they really convenience? Or are they really of importance? Is this just something you just put just to put? Or is it something that is really important? Imagine a fully armed soldier. He has his sword. He has his shield. He has his helmet his breastplate, his belt, but his feet are completely bare. The picture probably seems strange, and it should. Just by thinking about it, you can tell that something's missing. But the problem goes further than just looking odd. A shoeless soldier could run into a real trouble in the heat of battle unless he is fighting on fake grass. He's encountered with so many different debris that he can easily hurt his feet. And one of the last things you want to deal with when you're in the midst of a fight is worrying about where you're going to step. Me, I have six kids. Imagine waking up in the middle of the night in the dark and stepping on a Lego barefoot. You're going to suffer some. <laughs> so picture a fight. <laughs> Shoes allow us to step freely and without fear where we're going to Step on, you know, it, it, it makes us focus on the fight. It makes us focus on what really matters. Romans 10:15 says, And how shall they preach unless they are sent? As it is written, how beautiful are the feet of those who preach the gospel of peace, who bring glad tidings of good things. 
God's church is sent to announce the good news of God's kingdom, which will spread his way of peace around the world, having our shoes on. We are ready to move. To spread that, these glad tidings to others. Luke 10, 19, 20 says, Behold, I give you authorities to trample over serpents and scorpions and over all the powers of the enemy, and nothing shall by any means hurt you. Nevertheless, do not rejoice in this, that the spirits are subject to you, but rather rejoice because your names are written in heaven. Just as the shoes allow us to walk on otherwise painful terrains without fear, so the preparation of the gospel of peace allows us to traverse the otherwise painful trials and tribulations of life without fear, knowing that what awaits is greater than anything we can possibly suffer in this world. Romans 8:18. Think about it. Think about what we're dealing with here in America, around the whole entire globe. The church of God has to be ready. We are the ones that need to spread the message of hope around the world. Ephesians 6:16a. In addition to all this, hold up the shield of faith to stop the fiery arrows of the devil. Faith helps us block the devil's attempts to bring us down. Having solid faith keeps us from doubt, worry, and fear. Faith allows us to keep a good perspective when the battle is raging around us. I remember many years ago, my father-in-law, his kidney stopped working. He was in the hospital and they had to put him in dialysis. It was something so horrific for us at that time. And during that time, we remember when we found out that they put him on dialysis, my wife and my two kids at the time, we just threw ourselves in a corner, literally on a corner of the house. And we just started weeping and weeping. And I heard the Lord speak so loudly inside my head. And he said these words, why do you cry like those who have no hope? I'm going to say that again. Why do you cry like those who have no hope? There are many here that are crying like those who have no hope. And I'm going to go back here because I'm a dangerous person at times. I washed my face. I told my kids and my wife, go wash your face. We went to the hospital. Before we went to the hospital, we started rebuking. We started taking authority. Then we went to the hospital, and my wife was able to preach the gospel to my father-in-law. And for the first time ever, he truly gave his life to the Lord. The very next day, he was completely healed from his kidneys. They both started working. They took him off dialysis and it's been over seven years and he has no issues whatsoever. God is that powerful. He is that mighty. And whoever has dialysis, you know that there are people here that might be in dialysis. That's something that's forever. That just doesn't happen. So God is able to do these things. Praise God. Some ancient shields were soaked in water and non-flammable oil. That water is the word of God and the oil represents the Holy Spirit. These two powers, God's word and the Holy Spirit, helps us extinguish the fiery darts of the devil. Don't give up the truth of God for the lies of the devil. Activate your shield. The Bible teaches that faith without works is dead. Use your shield of faith to cover yourself. When the devil says to you, you're no good, use your faith to proclaim that surely goodness and mercy will always be with me. When the devil says you're nothing, respond in faith. I am blessed coming in and I am blessed coming out. When the devil says you're nothing, answer in faith. Greater is he that is in me than he that is in the world. When the devil says you can't make a difference, 
Speak faith by establishing that you can do all things to Christ. Praise the Lord. And in case you didn't know, a Roman soldier's shield was linked with another soldier. When your faith is not enough to get you through, when you just don't have the energy to lift up your shield, your church family will come alongside you and lift you up and carry you through. Speak words of encouragement over you. So that's, this is why it's important to connect to a life group. You cannot do this alone. As a matter of fact, we are in disobedience if we do life alone. We are supposed to be connected to the body. If you're not connected today, plug in. Plug into a life group because you will get strength and encouragement there. God bless you and sister, pastor Andrea with us. Amen. Awesome. So we went through four um, of the armor, and I'm going to give you number five. Ephesians 6, 17a says, and take the helmet of salvation. So number five is put on the helmet of salvation to protect your mind. As a soldier, a helmet which, um, a soldier had a helmet, uh, which protected his head, obviously. Uh, in warfare, the enemy commonly would attack the head since the soldier's mind controlled his decisions and reactions in a fight. To harm the head was to gain an advantage in combat. And our enemy, Satan, does the same thing. Much of the battle that we um, fight or that is fought is in the mind. We protect our minds by knowing that we are saved, that we have been reconciled to God, that the Holy Spirit has been given to us, and that we're going to live forever as the glorious sons and daughters of God in the new heavens and the new earth. Knowing we have been saved protects our minds. Every morning, there's two things I want to give you that you can say to yourself that will saturate your mind in the truth of the gospel before the start of each day. Because I am in Christ, there is nothing I can do that would make you love me anymore. Nothing I, that I have done that would make you love me any less. And Lord Jesus, you are all I need for everlasting joy. Your love for me is complete and it is enough. So that's number five, the, the um, helmet of salvation. Uh, the second part of Ephesians 6, 17 says, and the sword of the spirit, which is the word of God. So number six is use the sword of the spirit, the word of God. The sword of the spirit is the written word of God. The word sword here is not actually referring to the long sword that a Roman soldier would use, but more of a shorter dagger. These were used for close quarter battles. This is a frontal assault on your life, your world, your family, your mind, and your circumstances. Remember when Jesus was in the wilderness uh, back in Matthew 4, when he was attacked or tempted by the devil? What did he use? What was his counterattack? The word. He quoted scripture. Listen to me. You better have a standard of truth that is outside of you. Because he had just gone through 40 days of fasting and prayer. Don't, don't you think that he was probably tired and hungry? So if he were to rely on his own emotions, he may not have responded with God's word. You have to have a standard of truth that, that is outside of you that you're constantly pointing, not, not relying on myself, relying on the truth that is outside of me. If you're a Christ follower, you don't live your truth. 
as you see in the media. Live your truth. No, no. When you're a Christ follower, you live his truth. You don't live your truth. You live his truth. And if you don't know his truth, you're going to get eaten alive by the enemy. And you want to know why? I'm going to tell you why. Because the enemy likes to twist God's word just enough to where it sounds familiar, but it's so far from the truth. So you've got to know God's word. The more of God's word you have in your life, the more ready you are for spiritual battle because it demolishes the strongholds of erroneous thinking, tears down false and arrogant opinions, and turns that, those thoughts that were disobedient into thoughts that are obedient to Christ. We've got to master this book, which gives us the ability to counter Satan's lies. We've got to read it, we've got to learn it, we've got to meditate on it, and we've got to memorize it. Amen? Now, normally, not normally, but sometimes people, when they talk about the armor, that they just stop there. Um, they, the, the belt, the, the, the um, breastplate, the shoes, the um, shield, and the helmet, and uh, then the, 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 the word of God, the sword. But I want to tell you that Number seven, we have to pray passionately. See, Paul kind of books, bookends that with, you got to do all these things, but you got to pray. Because prayer is how we engage into the battle. Ephesians 6, 18 says, pray passionately in the spirit as you constantly intercede with every form of prayer at all times. Now, if you have a study, um, a spirit-filled study Bible in, your, in Ephesians 6, uh, you'll see that there's a kingdom dynamics there. And I just want to read to you what this says. It says, Paul admonishes us to put on the whole armor of God in order to stand against the forces of hell. It is clear that our warfare is not against physical forces, but against invisible powers who have clearly defined levels of authority in a real, though invisible, sphere of activity. Paul, however, not only warns us of a clearly defined structure in the invisible realm, he instructs us to take up the whole armor of God in order to maintain a battle stance against this unseen satanic structure. All of this armor is not just a passive protection in facing the enemy. It is to be used offensively against these satanic forces. Now, Paul's final directive uh, that we see here, he says, we are to be praying always with all prayer and supplication in the spirit. Thus, prayer is not so much a weapon or even a part of the armor necessarily as battle itself and, its, and the purpose for which we are armed. To put on the armor of God is to prepare for battle. Prayer is the battle itself, with God's word being our chief weapons employed against Satan during our struggle. Now, let me ask you a question. When in your day is the best time for you to spiritually get dressed for battle? Morning or evening? Yeah, morning, when you get up. That's why you should have a quiet time in the morning. You get up in the morning and you sit down and you pray and you mentally put on the armor. And, and it's not, okay, Lord, I put on the helmet. Okay, Lord, I put on the belt. It, 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 it's not that. It's activating what each and every one of us has said of, of why, what that represents, that you're, you're speaking God's word out into the atmosphere. So you get up and you do all of that, um, and it's, it's, it's a battle that's not won with worldly weapons, so you're getting ready to go out into the world, so you need to make sure you put on that spiritual armor. 
But if you didn't do that in the morning and you did that at night, that means you would get all dressed up to get into bed. And that would be kind of silly and honestly probably really uncomfortable, you know, if you got your sword. And, anyway. Um, so you, point being, you've got to do it at the start of the day. Not saying that you shouldn't have some sort of a time at the, at the end of the day. You should. Because it says in here that it's not a one and done thing. Prayer is not the only thing we do, but it's the first thing we do. It's the most effective thing that we do, and it's what we do constantly. Now, I've heard it said that the armor of a Roman soldier weighed about 70 pounds. I said I've heard it said because I was not around when Roman soldiers were in biblical times, so I'm not, I'm not sure. So um, most of that weight would have been right here. It would have been right here, and rightly so, because the most vital organ in our body is within this area, and that's our heart. Our heart, which pumps um, life into every other organ of our body. A, a soldier, it didn't matter how smart or how many muscles he had, one blow to the heart would wipe him out. Would wipe him out. This is why I believe that the enemy is constantly tempting us toward unrighteousness. Because he doesn't want you to have a breastplate on. Because he knows when you have no protection in this area, it doesn't matter how many verses you know, how many times you've been to church, how many life groups you're in, one blow to the most vital spiritual organ, that which pumps life, vitality, passion, and gives you the fervor to go on following after God. See, the enemy just wants a group of people who say that they're believers, but have no breastplate on. It's important that we use every piece of armor, not leaving any one of them out, and I'm going to give you an example of why. If a soldier had to carry all of that weight on their shoulders all by themselves, it would be so much of a weight to carry that if they're just walking around with all that weight just hanging off of their shoulders, that they would be tired even before the battle had begun. Part of the job of the belt was to lift some of that weight off of the shoulder. Lift some of that weight of the breastplate off of their shoulders so that they wouldn't have to carry it alone and so that they could be free to fight the battle that they were facing. Just as Eddie was talking about how they would have to gather everything up, that belt, part of that was to lift some of that weight off. Can I just tell you, if you're trying to carry your own righteousness on your own, it's too, weight of a heavy for you. It's too heavy of a weight for you to carry. And if the enemy can shackle you to perfection, to perfectionism, and you're carrying this righteousness all on your own, you can't live in freedom because you've got too much weight on you. See, you and I were never meant to carry our righteousness on our own. It's just too heavy. See, because God's righteousness is perfection, and you and I can never attain that. It doesn't matter how strong you are, how athletically inclined you are. If you're more athletically, athletically inclined than I am, it doesn't matter. It's like this, God's righteousness is like the ceiling in this building. It is so high, you and I can never reach it. Even though I'm standing three feet above you with an advantage, I still cannot reach it. It doesn't matter how athletically inclined we are. I can't run fast enough. I can't jump high enough to reach the ceiling in this building. And that's what God's righteousness is. But I've got good news. Because you know what? 
there's some truth that will lift that right off of your shoulders. See, the truth is, is that Jesus, 2,000 years ago, went to the cross, and he died for you and I. He died to pay the penalty of sin that you and I were supposed to pay, that we should have paid, but he went to the cross and died our death. One of the greatest things about that is that he doesn't, when he died, he doesn't just remove sin. He doesn't just, you know, remove the pen penalty um, that, that which we were supposed to pay. He doesn't just remove all of that and then just leave us empty. No, he then deposits the righteousness of Christ Jesus in us. So see, the righteousness is already in you. You've just got to put it on you. Let's bow our heads. Father God, I, I thank you so much. Thank you so much that we have the ability that we can come into this place and we can be um, in here, be strengthened because of agents of hope, that your word that, that just feeds life and strength and courage and peace to our souls this morning, God. We are so grateful that we have the ability to do that. Father, I pray for each and every one of us here Maybe some of us sit and, and we've actually never heard a teaching on the armor of God. Maybe we didn't even know that it was there and available to us and that we're much less to put it on every morning. So God, I thank you for the revelation of your word. And God, I pray for those in this room that maybe Holy Spirit that you have convicted this morning that um, maybe you've been slacking in this area that you haven't been taking the time in the morning to get dressed for battle and you've been beaten up day in and day out. Thank you, God, for giving us revelation today that we can have an active part in changing that. Maybe you're here this morning and you'd say, Andrea, I, I've never accepted Christ, so those things aren't even available to me. I, I don't experience peace. I, I, I don't experience um, strength. I, I, I live in fear. I live in um, confusion. And, and um, I, I want that. So if that's you today, if you find yourself, if you find yourself honestly in any one of those areas and you would be so bold just to raise your hand, I want to pray for you. I want to pray for you. If, if you've never accepted Christ and, and you've never been um, able to truly put these things into practice. I want to pray for you. I want, I want you to walk out those doors transformed and changed by the power of our God. Maybe this morning you find yourself in a position, again, like I said, that um, you need to do better in this area. If you're, if you're in any one of those categories, just, just raise your hand boldly. Thank you for being honest. Thank you for being honest. I see your hand. Father God, you have seen the hands and you have seen, um, more importantly, the heart of every single person in this room. And God, I pray that you would give strength um, to those who need it. Strength, um, Holy Spirit, um, that, that we're not, we don't 
we're not condemned, Father, but, but you convict us, Holy Spirit, of the things and the areas that you have illuminated in our lives that, that we need to do better on. And I thank you, God, that you don't just illuminate that and you just leave us to fend for ourselves, but you come alongside us. And Father, I just pray that for those that raised their hand this morning. And I thank you that you're coming alongside them, that you're bringing people um, into their lives, crossing their paths that, that would teach and to disciple um, and to help them to be the person, to be the people that you have called them to be. And for those maybe in the room, Father, that, that raised their hand um, because they don't know you, uh, we're all going to pray a prayer together. Maybe you didn't raise your hand, um, but God has seen your heart. And so let's all pray this together. Father God, I thank you that you've given me a way to have right standing with you. I accept your free gift. I confess with my mouth that Jesus, you are the Son of God, that you died and you rose again, and that I can have everlasting life. Father, I thank you that you're giving me the strength even right now to be bold in my obedience to you. In Jesus' name, and everybody said, amen. As a church, it's our honor to play a small part in all that God is doing in and through your life. And we'd love to continue with you on that journey. To find out what your next steps are in your relationship with Jesus, all you have to do is go to thefathershouse.com slash next. Join us next week as we continue to love God, help people, and build the kingdom.